Hello and welcome to this week's Therapy For Me. And the big news this week is that I've made a decision with regard to the podcast. And before you uh, jump up and down and think, great, we haven't got to listen to this any further because he's, he's um, knocking on the head, that's not the decision I've made. The decision I've made is that I'm going to um, change my stance on language. And really, that means that I'm going to allow myself to swear because I swear enough in normal life and I don't know if I properly am able to express how I'm feeling about certain things without the ability um, to increase uh, the number of words available to me. I don't need to increase it by very many, but there are definitely a few that I need to increase it by to help me fully uh, realise the therapeutic nature of this podcast. So as from now, it'll probably have a little E next to it. Uh, I don't think it'll make that much difference to the number of people listening. Um, apologies in advance if it causes you concern, but uh, I'm afraid I'm just going to have to go with it. Anyway, we'll crack on. Uh, no swearing required to get us to the next bit, and we'll start with a little bit of that twangy guitar. Monday. We finished last week's TFM with the sad news of the passing of Meatloaf, and um, that's brought about two things um really or two changes or one changes one change and 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 one thing that i've seen that really touched me um the first thing was i've worked out how to do playlists on my um apple watch with spotify and what drove that was the fact that i decided that i wanted to listen to meatloaf uh, while I was running, I've been having a bit of a, 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 a wander around Meatloaf, as you'd expect, and decided I wanted a, a playlist. So um, the easiest way of doing it seemed to be Spotify. So I managed to work out actually how to do a to download a, a Spotify playlist to my watch, so I could listen to it while I was running. I was quite impressed with myself for doing that. So um, what that meant was I took I, I had a nice um, six and a half mile run on Sunday. Saturday, Saturday, and was able to listen to a whole load of Meatloaf while I was running, which is great. Um, the thing that happened today, which was um, I just smiled at, and it's difficult not to smile at, and I'll put a link to this in the notes, was the um, the guards at, at Buckingham Palace um, did a tribute to Meatloaf by playing uh, I Would Do Anything for Love, um, which is just brilliant. It's just absolutely brilliant and absolutely beautiful, and the whole idea of um, the the pomp and tradition uh, of everything that goes on uh, at book house on a daily basis and and all uh, you know and, and all of that stuff then being softened by the band playing a meatloaf tribute is just wonderful i can't say i'm a a huge nailed on royalist particularly though i i must admit i do have a lot of time for for, for liz i think she's been an quite in, incredible in terms of her her sense of duty and what she's done um but i i struggle with the monarchy a little bit but i i don't struggle when i see things like that uh, and i don't know whose idea it was but it's a lovely little moment and i've attached the clip so watch the clip and and see what you think um and it just you know i i think he i think he would have liked that 
I think he would have seen that as a nice fitting little tribute. Tuesday. I haven't mentioned Brexit uh, much for a few episodes. Um, And largely, you know, I've been diverted by other things. Um, Most notably the clusterfuck that's going on in in number 10. Um, But... It's still there and it's still a thing and it's still not going well. Um, it's nice that Project Fear is proving actually to be Project Fact, which is which is I'm not saying nice for those of us who did take no delight in this playing out, but did try and say it at the time um, and over the course of the three years post referendum. Then to see to see things playing out the way they probably were always going to play out um is you know is interesting um and obviously with there seems to be a, a news ban on everything that's going on around the port of dover at the moment which apparently from what i can tell is largely gridlocked with the new uh, bits of legislation that are working the way through at the turn of the year but i was drawn to an article in the yorkshire post uh, this week, which um, really just, I guess, puts in 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 very simple terms the problem. Um, so if we go if we go back, let's go back to the three hundred and fifty million pounds on the side of a bus. Let's go back to the bits that we that uh, and that line of we give three hundred and fifty million or whatever it is to the EU. Why don't we spend that money on the NHS? Now, obviously, that was already false from the word go because. That was the amount that went over. It didn't recognise the amount that actually came back. But the point being that if there was going to be a Brexit dividend, then you would expect it to be, you know, 150, 160, 180 million pounds a week or whatever it was going to be. Right. Okay. So fast forward, fast forward to where we are now. And uh, something called the UK Shared Prosperity Fund is going to be launched in April. Uh, And it's, it's kind of the what's being talked up as the centrepiece of the levelling up bill. Um, and it's due to be worth somewhere in the regions of about £1.5 billion, uh, a year um, in the next couple of years. But what's been highlighted is that this fund, this shared prosperity fund, is actually going to be worth around about 60% of the fund that it's replacing. So there used to be something called the EU Structural Investment Fund, and that was where we essentially got the money back. And and the EU, for years and years and years, has levelled up. So what the EU uh, did was they took all the money that was thrown into it, and then they they gave money back to particular regions in particular member countries where they thought there was there was need. And you know if you've if you've driven through um, if you've ever driven through the south of Ireland, you'll realise um, that, that there's loads of projects, and they all proudly proclaim uh, that they were EU funded because um, you know the large large portions of Southern Ireland got a lot of, of funding and there's lots of places I mean very close by to where you are there's a place called Fox Valley which is a, a, a shopping a retail outlet that is where there used to be the steelworks and that was paid for by EU grants and the, and this was how the EU used to try and stimulate um, the, you know the, the poorest of the regions within member countries but the point here is that that fund was was worth um, around about two and a half billion pounds a year prior to Brexit for the UK. So the thing that's going to replace it, bearing in mind, 
and this is where I'm a little bit confused, but bearing in mind, we sent 350 million and we got an amount back. So if we got roughly, let's say we got roughly 50% back of what we sent across. I'm not quite sure the figures are, but I seem to recall it being around 50%. That would suggest that if we were getting 250, sorry, 2.5 billion back from the EU, that theoretically we were playing 5 billion in for argument's sake. And I don't know if those figures are right or, or whatever. I'm just speculating based on these numbers. And I suppose you could work it out by times in 350 by 52. But anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it aside. The point being, theoretically, theoretically, double what we paid across, um, half what we paid across we were getting back. And yet the fund that's replacing that is less. So where's the rest gone? That would suggest that 66% of the money that we used to give to the EU or 70% of the money or 75% of the money that we used to give to the EU is not forming part of the levelling up fund of this shared prosperity fund. So where's that gone? Where's that gone? Because surely we we should be better off and, and we don't appear to be. So I'll put a link to this article on. It's really interesting because what it's I, I've done a little bit more reading and it seems that a lot of the regions are in the same boat, that they're not getting a fraction of what they used to get under the EU proposal. And yet, in reality, all we hear about, one of the, one of the pieces of red meat that's thrown out all the time is levelling up, but the levelling up fund isn't doing what the EU was doing before. Wednesday. Out of nowhere, we have Wordle. Wordle's just appeared in the last however many weeks, taken over Twitter, taken over Facebook. It's a thing. You keep seeing these little box, these little squares with yellow and green in them, and that's Wordle. And I happen to see... I've haven't avoided Wordle. I just was a little bit surprised as to what it was, and I've never really had a moment to stop and look at it. And I stopped and looked at it today, and of course, it's just got that thing. It's got that addictive thing going on that you look at one and then you have to try it. It's um, I, I suppose it's a bit like the first time you see Sudoku or something of that that ilk. So I've now I've now become a, a, a part of the Wordle gang that now takes five or ten minutes in a morning and uh, and has a go at the day's wordle because it's nice in the fact that there's one every day so you get up and there's a wordle and it's 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 actually a really simple concept you've just got to guess the word you've got to guess a five letter word you've got um you've got all the letters available to you and you 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 start by guessing a word so you know, pick a five-letter word, put it in, doesn't really matter what it is, um, and it will then tell you, the little thing flashes up and tells you if you have got a letter right, and also if you've got a letter right, whether it's in the right place or not. So if it comes up green, it's the right letter and it's in the right place, and if it comes up yellow, it's the right letter, but it's the wrong place. Sounds simple? So you you might start um, you might start with mouse as 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 being your word and you might find out that actually the s and the e are right but they're in the wrong place so you you move out from there and go right okay well what am i gonna what, where am i gonna move them to what am i gonna do now and there's a little bit of logic behind it and then when you've done two or three you start to do them a little bit more in in patterns um but it's it's i i, I don't know it's 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 the 
quiz equivalent. It's the the brain teasing equivalent of a fidget spinner, I guess. Uh, I, I imagine it will go massive. Um, and then I, I imagine in three months' time there'll just be a hardened group of people still doing it, and everybody else will have will have moved on. But um, I want to say go there at your peril. But I, I think if you go there, you'll probably find yourself in exactly the same space as me. That for the next few weeks you're going to be kind of addicted to it, and it's going to be one. It's going to fit in at a certain point in your day, and then it, you know, you'll break that cycle and you'll and you'll move on. <laughs> Thursday. The new Brian Adams song came as a surprise today and I clicked on a link uh, in Twitter and I watched the video. I think it was Simon Mayo actually who shared it because I think he must have had Brian on whatever show he now does. I'm a bit lost as to what Simon Mayo is actually doing. Um, And I clicked on it and I watched the video and I liked it. I liked it. There's nothing, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not, it's not reckless territory, but as a piece of, as a piece of, you know, three, three, three and a half minute pop. I thought it was nice. I thought it was energetic and it, and it made me smile and I really enjoyed it. So, um, new Brian Adams song. Yes. Um, and I also watched Munich today, which is the new Netflix film, which is, um, based on the Robert Harris book, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And I've always been a Robert Harris fan, uh, ever since you go all the way back to fatherland, which is still probably the best thing he's, he's written. Um, but I've liked virtually everything that comes along, um since there's nothing not to like about um you know robert harris's writing and munich's a an interesting take on the whole thing around uh where chamberlain flew to munich and came back with the the whole peace in our time thing and uh, i thought that was very good i thought um Chamberlain, who always looks a weak figure, I mean, he's, he's, he's been portrayed as a, uh, you know, as being weak and not the man for the time, uh, and not, you know, largely because of of, of the Munich uh, agreement, actually. But he he's always seemed quite a frail character, and and Jeremy Irons played him, and he seemed to have more vigor, and 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 it, it tells the story in a way that suggests. That Chamberlain, um, you know, there's a a lot we should thank Chamberlain for, and his actions were very well considered and thought through, and 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 bought, um, and and bought the country some time. So, um, two things, both recommendations. Uh, Brian Adams single liked it. Uh, Munich really enjoyed it. Thought it was nice, well put together. Um, I would I would recommend both. Friday. I've waited to talk about the Sue Gray report and everything that's going on at number 10 until today, um, mainly because, uh, I mean, it's been a running drama all the way through the week and there's been plenty of things going on and, and, and floating in and out of the drama and, you know, the absurdity, absurdity of somebody saying that the Prime Minister was ambushed by cake and there's all manner of nonsense gone on through the week, including the really, really... Um, offensive spectacle of so many Tory MPs continuing to support um, and make excuses um, for that idiot. But um, the today is, and I, I spoke a couple of weeks ago about how I thought he'd get away with this, and how I thought the report potentially would would be a, give him enough leeway to paint it and spin it that he hadn't actually broken the law and therefore there was nothing to see here. 
And um, and that was becoming less likely. It, it started to look like the, the report would have a bit of teeth and, and we were expecting it very early on in the week. And then obviously we had the Met get involved and say they were going to investigate. And at that point you started to think in conspiracy theory um, ways. So you started to think, well, hang on a minute, why are the Met getting involved now? They could have got involved weeks ago. Um does it how 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 does this change things? Does this change the timings of things? Does this throw everything back? Does this buy him more time? Bearing in mind all we've heard is wait for Sue Gray, wait for Sue Gray, wait for Sue Gray, wait for the report, wait for the report. And now it's like, well, hang on a minute, does the if the Met report takes precedence over Sue Gray, then we're waiting for months and months and months, and he will do whatever he can just to cling on and hope this thing dies down. Um and that there's nothing to see here. And then we've had the ridiculous situation this morning with the Met coming out and saying that the Sue Gray report, which they previously said could be released this week in full, so it would still have had the same potency that it was always going to have or that we suspected it would have. Now the talk is um, that actually the, the report needs to be watered down and anything pertaining to the police investigations has to be taken out of the report. Now, of course, that's a huge problem then because you get a heavily redacted or a heavily reduced report which then actually has no teeth it has nothing of merit because the things of merit are being investigated by the 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 met and they could be kicked a long way down the road um so when that news broke this morning it started to feel like the first half of the cover-up um let's let's take everything out of sue gray let's stop talking about sue gray and then let's wait for the Met report. And then the Met report, which becomes about illegality, it becomes about breaking the law. So if it if the Met report whitewashes, which it probably will, to say that actually technically laws weren't broken or there's an interpretation that suggests that laws weren't broken, then that will be spun as to be, well, nothing to see here. No laws are broken, nothing to see here. And of course, it totally misses the point. It totally, totally, totally misses the point because that's going to come down on an interpretation of the law and it's going to come down on interpretation of the law vis-a-vis work events. It's going to ignore all the things that were said at the time and it's and it's it's going to allow that wiggle room that's going to allow it to be perceived as it's okay. It, you know, it, it, it wasn't as bad as you think. Nothing to see here. Um, And I've... I found it really sickening um, this morning um, that this we should be in this situation. I, th- this does not look good for the country at all, um, that we're in a situation where potentially if you look at some of the mainstream media, particularly the Mail in this instance and the Telegraph, constantly trying to tell us nothing to see here, and then the Met riding to the effectively to the to the defense of um of, of number 10 by putting some time in the way to divert and then potentially to give them a, a, a an exit then then that just feels like collusion and it's not a good look it's not a good look at all the the you know the fourth estate in terms of the press and and you know the the people that uphold our laws are the checks and the balances, and it doesn't feel like they're being checks and balances at the moment. Quite the opposite. Um, so, as you can imagine, it was a, it's been a fairly dispiriting day 
and and it's still quite fluid and we don't know what's going to happen but it just it just feels like this is this is the start of it all this this really is the start of it all and this is how it will be this is how it will be resolved and this is how a man who has degraded uh the um, uh, you know who has done so much to damage standards in public life so much to uh, undermine how we feel about our inst- our democratic institutions this is how a man with a sense of entitlement will will cling on uh, to a job he's so clearly, clearly not fit for. <laughs> ah, but you see, it's not the end. Um, and for, I think, only the second time ever, there's a PS to TFM um, this week. I mean, apart from the fact that I'm not, you know, wished you all the best and, and obviously, you know, reminded you to stay safe and take care of yourselves, which I, of course, do. But I've been struck by a ongoing situation with Joe Lysett. And Joe Lysett had, um, had, had put out a fake, um, a, a fake kind of report that talked about events in Number 10 uh, as if it was a leak from the, great, the Sue Gray report. And it was believed by people in Number Ten, and, and caused uh, an amount of panic because it was as as you know things like this are. It was completely outrageous, but also vaguely believable. Um, I mean, you you read it, you know, you get halfway down, you realise that it, <clears throat> that it's ironic and a piss take. But when you first start reading it, you're not sure, um, and it. It caused a whole lot of people in government to um, get quite animated, and then a whole lot of of the kind of blunt objects like Nadine Doris to come out and start, you know, g- giving it the expected kind of rebuttal. Um, Joe Lice has put a, a a letter out on Twitter today, and I've been very struck by it. And what I'd like to do to finish off is is just to read it. Um, exactly as it's written and then leave that with you Uh, so I'll do that uh, and I'll wish you a great weekend and I'll talk to you next week well it's been an odd couple of days I catfished sort of accidentally Nadine Dorries and then supposedly catfished sort of accidentally the whole government I wrote some jokes on Twitter some dumb people some of them in our government found them plausible rather than funny and now I'm in most of the newspapers I write comedy sometimes as a way of using anger. I write a daft letter about a parking fine or change my name to Hugo Boss or fake a Sue Gray report, all essentially because I'm angry. I'm angry right now probably for the same reason many other people are angry. In the early stages of lockdown in 2020, my best friend died from cancer. He was the person who had been with me through my journey in comedy the most closely. He'd been to the smallest pub gigs all the way up to the Apollo and when I was first on Graham Norton. He'd been ill for a number of years and towards the end I'd helped him as a part-time carer. I watched him slip away, gradually, over months and all that comes with it. It's a long story for another time, but he died. He died at the start of lockdown and I wasn't there because I was following the rules. And we had a tiny, insufficient funeral because we were following the rules. And I drove his kids away from that funeral back to Birmingham without any sort of wake 
because we were following the rules and it felt unnatural and cruel and almost silly. But we did it because we were following the rules. So I suppose, like thousands of others with their own stories, I'm angry about that. I'm not a political comic particularly and rarely, if ever, make outwardly political statements. And though I've never voted for the Tories, I'm not in the business of trashing them for the sake of it either. In the old days, the Conservatives were literally about conserving. They believed in historical institutions and traditions, promoted incremental change and cautious progress. For a somewhat lefty wanker like me, that of course conflicted with my beliefs about gay marriage, the treatment of women and minorities, but I respected their approach in other areas and found some of their policies and ideology to be stable and reassuring. This lot don't seem to be into that. They're about power and little else. They torch traditions and institutions with ease if it helps them retain their grip. To hell with my dead friend, they think, and all your dead friends, and all your dead relatives. You followed the rules, and we didn't, but we're in power, and that's all that matters. So spin on it. So I get angry, and I write a few jokes about Sue Gray's report, a report which will probably change nothing, and we'll all be here again in the not-too-distant future, in some other scandal with some other liars. But for now, you might wonder how it feels to have been described in the papers of having caused these people chaos and mayhem and mass panic just because of a few jokes. Let me be clear, it feels absolutely fucking fantastic. If you've enjoyed Therapy For Me, then please subscribe and share as you see fit. This has been an A Short Stories production.